This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Well, hey, what? Oh, for fuck's sake. Do you hear that? Oh, God. Okay, I don't know if you can hear this. There's children screaming outside. Now, that's normal. I'm not usually worried, but... I don't know if you can hear it. These are not... These are not my children. They're someone else's children screaming. Control your fucking children, you assholes. Jesus Christ, I am complete. I have no patience for other people's children... Uh, interrupting my podcast. Usually it's my children that cause the problem, and that's okay, because I made them. That's my bad, you know? That's on me. Some other fucking idiot made these ones. Oh, hopefully you can't hear it. Um, I'm in my shed, uh, and it's hot, as usual. Um, it's so hot that I've just removed my shoes. Uh Right off the bat, shoes coming off, but it's going to get hotter. So as the show goes on, I'm going to get more and more naked, um, removing various pieces of clothing. Um, and I invite you to do the same with me. That's what we'll do. I'll, I, I shall tell you which piece of uh, clothing to remove and we'll play um, strip podcast together. That's a new thing I've just invented. Um, let's see. I'm very, very fucking tired. I'm... Uh, I'm exhausted uh, for various reasons. I mean, I have been up, staying up late watching rugby this week. Um, and the England game, uh, the England match has given me nightmares that wake me up. Um, I'm also just tired. You'll notice I'm always exhausted when I do this, mainly because I've got, uh, I have three children. Um, or as I prefer to phrase it, I, well, first of all, how stupid is it to have three children? You should have no respect for me. What kind of a fucking idiot has three... Ch- Actually, what kind of a fucking idiot has one child? And then goes, Oh, that was good. Let's do that again. Yeah, this is fun. Let's do it again. I'm sick of sleeping and having friends. Let's make another one of these fucking things. And then what kind of a fucking idiot does it again? Three times. I have no right to complain about anything for being so bloody stupid. But anyway, I am exhausted because I am a father of three children. Or as I prefer to phrase that, I am currently in the middle of the most fucked up sleep deprivation experiment you could ever undergo. It's ridiculous. I'm so tired. And for that reason, I would like to introduce the unofficial sponsor, Monster Energy again. Yes. This time, Cafe Monster. Cafe Monster. It's 100% Arabica. 100% Arabica coffee. Contains milk. Now that's exciting. 
let's see. It's not very snappy. There's not a lot of uh, information on this bottle. Um, natural and artificial ingredients. That's fantastic. How often do you get bo- get that? Both natural and artificial. Sometimes you get natural, all natural. Sometimes it says made with artificial poisons. But when do you get both? That is a bargain bonus bastard of a drink. That sh- that's what it should say. <laughs> that should be on the label. Bargain bonus bastard of a drink. Anyway, I'm going to try some. Oh, fuck me, that's delicious. Fuck me, that's delicious. Bargain bonus bastard of a drink. Fuck me, that's delicious. All right. Are you ready? I'm quite upset. Let's get going. Removing my socks. Everybody remove their socks. Okay. I just want to leap straight into this England game because uh, I'm really not in the mood to talk too much bullshit. Uh, and you probably don't want to hear it. One of the problems is I started doing this uh, podcast every Wednesday and I've decided to try and keep to that. It's kind of a weird time to be talking about rugby because... The match is done. Everybody's watched it. Everybody's thought about it and talked about it and tweeted about it and listened to probably at least two rugby podcasts where they talk about it. Um, But I'll talk about it anyway because that's my prerogative. What do you want? If you don't want to listen, then don't. Um, I did something interesting because I'm such a complete fucking nerd. I... I had a system when I watched this last uh, match, England against South Africa, South Africa, second test. I wrote down every player's name and I did a rating system throughout the game. I've done this before, where when somebody does something ex- exceptionally well, I'll give them a little plus, And if they do something exceptionally badly, I give them a little negative. And um, it's, not a, it's not a great way of rating, but it is a, it is a form of statistic, right? And uh, from what I've heard, it's probably about as uh, meaningful as the official statistics they use uh, for internationals. But um, I just think it's quite interesting. The top scorers, based on my player ratings, were Mike fucking Brown. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. Mike fucking Brown. He doesn't give a shit about you. He doesn't give a shit about Twitter. He's off fucking shit to Twitter now. What are you going to do about it? I've been defending him for years. He probably hates me, and I love the fact that he hates me. He hates everyone, and he should. So Mike fucking Brown, top scorer, along with Owen Farrell. Um, Now, those two probably were the best players for me on the day. Not that anyone was great, but this is the interesting thing. My general feelings after the second test are, you know, understandably not great. Uh, It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. We're in a living nightmare with England rugby. However, none of the players individually were terrible. My lowest scoring player, I was surprised to see, was Ben Youngs. And I didn't feel, my, when I think about the game, I don't remember him having like a shocker. But he was by far the lowest, uh, I think he was negative three. 
there was only, let's have a little look. I had, where is it? Here we are. Most of the players ended up with a score of zero. So you understand, if they do something great, they get a plus, and that counts as one positive. And if they then then do something stupid, and I put a negative, that brings them back down to zero. Some of these players are on zero because they got an equal number of positives and negatives, and and some just didn't get any. I didn't even notice. One of the players that I didn't notice much was was uh, Launchbury, Joe Launchbury, and um, again. Maybe it's maybe it's one of those cases of he's doing a lot of unseen work. But Joe Launchbury, he is a a good hard second row, the kind of person who does unseen work. But he usually stands out a bit too. I I do think he he wasn't at his best. Usually he sticks out as one of our best players, and I barely noticed him in this game. Um, but anyway, uh, Mike Brown, Owen Farrell were the top performers, both with uh, four. Yeah, they ended up with four positives, or rather, a total score of four. And then uh, Ben Young's by far the worst with negative three. But then uh, Denny Solomona, he got a negative one. And uh, God, I hope this isn't boring and stupid. Um, I'm now removing my shorts. Everybody remove your shorts or trousers, depending on what you're wearing. Or skirt if you're a lady. Or tr- or, or, or trousers if you're a lady too. I'm not suggesting that all female listeners should be wearing mini skirts or something like that. That's just ridiculous. You said that, not me. Um, yeah, interesting. Solomon, Denny Solomona came on, and now look, it's not fair on him because he didn't have a lot of time to, to influence the game well. But the first thing he did was get completely demolished by uh, Dialand. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, I don't remember. But he got absolutely wrecked by him. And... Uh, Given that Solomona is a big physical winger, that was a big neg- negative for me. Um, anyway, I'll probably tinker around with his player ratings as I as I as I talk about this. Um, I was surprised to see that Ben Youngs had such a low score uh, by me because, <laughs> like I said, he wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. Uh, while we're on the subject of Ben Youngs, I do want to talk about his post match uh, very brief interview. It seems to me that a lot of people. Uh, think he was being well literally I, I read on Twitter someone said he was being a twat someone else said he was an idiot and I, I don't understand in fact because I heard about this incident with the interview on a few on a couple of other podcasts and I didn't I hadn't seen it so I looked went on YouTube to check and uh, it's nothing like to me he's just finished losing the second test of a South Africa tour that they would have wanted to win. Um, he's just received a negative three rating from me. He probably knew about that. So his head's spinning. He's pissed off. He doesn't know what to do. He's stressed out. And then he's got to fucking talk to some interviewer right afterwards. If you And, and to me, he was very cool about it, very polite. He basically said, yeah, we're really pissed off. We just lost. Thanks. i got to go. I, we'll try and do better next week. Uh, it if you think that he was being some kind of an asshole or rude or disrespectful, then I then you just must have never played any kind of competitive sports, you know? My wife once beat me at ping pong and I didn't speak to her for a week. And she understands. I'm just kidding. She never beat me at ping pong. Um, 
But yeah, that interview, that was a non-incident. I don't understand why it even... I think that it was Sky Sports that did it, and it seemed like the uh, the uh, people in the studio were acting like it was a big deal. Uh, it really wasn't. Um, my God, Mike Brown was fucking amazing. For a, for a shitty game where, to be honest, we were never really... Well, of course, we started well again. But this was so much worse than the first test. This was so much worse. One thing that no one has said that I've heard on, on a podcast, and I haven't read it anywhere, but to me, it's a massive deal. England did not score a single point after the 12th minute. Were you aware of that? That is absolutely incredible. We started really strong, and after the 12th minute, pointless. No points. It's incredible. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I hope I'm not going insane, because now that I'm saying it to you, I'm finding it hard to believe. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. At any rate, the... Um, it was a, it was a, it was very bad. It was very bad. I remember at the beginning of the second half, South Africa looked so up for it. Their defence was so intense, and within ten minutes of the second half, I, I, uh, I was going to say I knew we were going to lose, but actually I already heard the result. That really fucking ruined it. I can't decide if I were, if I'm glad or sad that I had the result ruined because it would have sucked to have had the false hope that we could win. But anyway, you could tell. I think. Ten minutes in the second half, South Africa looked so energised, so intense, and England, to me, looked like they've already accepted defeat. Which le which leads to the issue of of altitude, a, a, a really important thing, I noticed. When I watched the match, uh, there was a... Um, I'm assuming we all had South African commentators. Maybe you didn't, I don't know. But at one point... It was in the early in the second half, I think. Joel Stransky said something, something like, "Right about now, the altitude will start getting to England." And he talked about how England had trained at sea level. Now, uh, whereas South Africa had stayed at altitude. Now, I, it's kind of boring to talk about it, but I feel like I didn't, I didn't, I probably didn't, didn't talk about it enough after the first test, because I was fooled into thinking that, well, we, we finished kind of strong at the end there, so I don't see how altitude could have played too much of a part. But before this series started, I was concerned. I was very concerned that we were playing at altitude. It was going to be very, very hard. And there are two consistent, or there are a couple of consistent things for each match that are consistent with altitude being a factor fitness being a factor right both matches strong starts by england where we let it get away from us we let the game get away from us so a strong start then we then we then we sort of die off that's consistent with a lack of fitness it's at altitude um also a number of stupid penalties very stupid penalties that they that these players don't typically make. These are atypical fouls that are costing us. Also consistent with fatigue. Um, there's probably more. Let me check my notes. Uh, ba -ba -ba. 
I guess that's it. The fact that we didn't score after the 12th minute just adds to that. I think it's the fact that, and I am now removing my T-shirt. Everybody remove your shirts. I don't care if you're not hot. God, this is horrible. Um, anyway, everybody was complaining about altitude in the first test, and now even more so for the second test. Um, it's got to be a factor. I think it has to be. And I just realised I never finished talking about Mike Brown. He was fantastic. Again, not that, the, that his haters will admit it. And we all agree. I don't need to say it. It's boring. We all know he shouldn't have been on the wing. But he did a great job on the wing. Now, a lot of people, including the uh, Mall Over Rugby podcast, have rightly pointed out that everything he did well on the wing, he would have done well from fullback. 100%. Um, but he was still my England player of the match, for sure. When he... Uh, there was a moment... Did you see that godlike handling uh when the ball got passed to him and it kind of bobbled in the air and he just tapped it onto the next person it was just pure sheer determination he just did not want that ball to die and i loved it and of course the best moment was when he chased back i forget when it was but he chased down uh south african hooker tackled him and immediately won a penalty uh trying to turn over the ball i mean that just summed up mike brown it was fucking fantastic and is he fast enough to be an international winger? Well, actually, yeah, he is. He is fast enough, but he's but he would be on the slow side, and he's better utilised from fullback. Mike Brown has been England's best fullback for years now. You know, you could argue that Alex Good has been more consistent, but I just can't believe how much, all of the shit that Mike Brown Mike Brown's gone on 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 the record as saying he's been he doesn't get enough respect. And he's been treated badly. It's 100% true. I mean, it really is. Uh, whether or not he should be saying it or not, I don't know. He should probably just leave it to me to defend him. But um, what a great performance. And Owen Farrell, too. Just so aggressive. His defense, he also, when he chased down, again, I'll fuck up his name, Dialand, Dialandi. I can never remember how to pronounce his name. Chased him down. Now, Owen Farrell's not known for his pace, but he chased down... Dear Lond, dear Land, and uh, tap-tackled him. Beautiful. It was great. And I, th I believe that his um, statistic, his uh, tackle count was pretty decent too, which is not something he's necessarily renowned for. But um, I thought he played great, and Mike Brown played great. Now, South Africa looked a lot better in this match than the first one. I feel like the first match, the first test match, we let ourselves down and we should have won. I, thought, I felt like we were comfortably the better team. Um... Maybe lacking in fitness somehow. But uh, in this match, I just think South Africa looked like another team. Uh, we probably, I feel so, I, I really regret saying that we all want a strong South Africa. Fuck that, I don't want a strong South Africa anymore. I feel like the England team, the, these two matches, the way that we've played, has given South Africa the confidence they need to become a good team. So we've kind of helped them become a more powerful rugby nation. If we'd have won that first test, I think they would be half the team they looked like. But they were they were they were a whole another level in that match. And um I'm worried about the third test because 
Well, before we get into that, let's do cock-ups. Um, well, speaking of cock-ups, I, uh, I should, since we're all playing strip podcast, right? We're all playing. Uh, I should just be removing my underwear now, but I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to record in a shed naked. I, I, I draw the line there. I, I, there's, I'm worried about my sanity as it is. If my wife walks in on me or my children see me sweating naked, uh, shouting cock-ups, I just, I'll have to kill myself. Let's all just keep our underwear on, please. Good God. I mean, take it off if you want to. I don't care. Um, cock-ups. What were my cock-ups? Oh, the biggest cock-up. The weirdest thing last week. I went mad and released the podcast on a Thursday when I was supposed to do it on a Wednesday. I had the I had a Wednesday, the idea of Wednesday in my head, but I was thinking I record on a Wednesday and release on a Thursday, and someone pointed out to me it was a day late because I spent all day Tuesday going, well, I'd really love to do the podcast now, but got to do it on a Wednesday. So that was a big cock-up. And uh, was there another cock-up? There's no way that was my only cock-up. Well, of course, there were the technical issues that I had, um, which don't seem to ever get better. I'm just constantly going to fucking have issues. I'll tell you what. The one thing that I need, the one piece of equipment I need to be able to actually record this in high quality is a an external USB sound card. Uh, and it costs about $8, 8 US dollars, which is, I don't know, 20p. Um, and, uh, but they don't sell it. I can't, I just want to be able to shoot to the store and buy it. You know, I live a five minute drive from Walmart. Do you have Walmart in England yet? You must, if you don't, it'll happen. But, um, I checked, they don't sell it. You have to order it online. Best Buy is a very large electronic company. I mean, they sell computers and everything. Uh, they don't sell them, though. Uh, every every shop that you would expect to buy something like that doesn't sell it. You can only get it online. This is why these physical locations are losing money to online sellers. Because any time I need fucking anything, I have to order it and then I have to wait for it to be delivered. It pisses me off. They act like it's convenient. It's like, oh, you have the convenience. You just sit, point, just click and wait. Yeah, but I don't want to fucking wait. I don't want to wait three days to get this little fucking piece of shit. I want to have it now and use it now. All right? I'm sorry. I got a little excited. It's hot. Um, and I'm tired. Let me have another sip of my monster, my cafe monster. Mm. my podcasting fuel of choice monster brand energy okay so that's my cock ups so looking ahead to the third test isn't it miserable isn't this fucking miserable what a horrible horrible position to be in Dead rubber. Jesus. It's a lose-lose situation, really. I was thinking about this. There are 
two options for Eddie Jones. He can either pick basically the same team or he can make sweeping changes. All right. Now, here's the problem. I say it's a lose-lose because let's say he picks the same team and then he loses. That just means we're shit. If we lose the third test when South Africa have nothing really on the line except the desire to humiliate us, if we pick the same team as Eddie Jones saying, this is our best team, I don't have faith in any of the other players, this is our best chance, and we couldn't do it three fucking times in a row. All right? And now, if he picks a new team and loses, it's almost worse. Because now it's like he's thrown everything in the kitchen sink at them and he couldn't win. We couldn't do it. We're just shit no matter what we do. Now, if he picks the same team and he wins, the England team wins with the same team, everyone will just assume South Africa eased up. They, 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 was, they weren't motivated enough because there was nothing on the line. Uh, I mean, it's a win. That's about all you could say for it. Now, if he picks a new team and wins, if he makes sweeping changes and wins, I suppose there is a bit of hope. You know, there could at least be the suggestion that, oh, you see, we do have the players, we can do it. But more likely, however we win, if we win, people will say, oh, well, they'd already, South Africa had already won the series. By the way, wasn't Faf an annoying little fucker in that match? Faf de Klerk was pissing me off. I almost wish someone had just sacrificed their career, run up and fucking caved his skull in with their fist. He's just patting people on the head. Oh, God, he's pissing. He's a great player, but I I, I hope he dies before it. No, I, God, I always wish death on someone in this. I'm joking, but God damn it, he was annoying. Um. Anyway, looking at all the options, I think... I have a feeling Eddie Jones won't make any changes, or at least any significant changes. There are some enforced changes for obvious reasons. Mako's left. Ellis Genge left. I really wanted to see him play. Um... But, yeah, Mako won't be available. Um, he might move Brown back to fullback or just replace him, even though he was incredible. He might do something like that. But I think he'd be better off making wholesale changes, including a new halfback combination, uh, since we're fucked no matter what we do. You may as well let some, you know, try and play some exciting rugby and... Just see what happens. So I'm going to finish up by naming the team that I would pick. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, I think Joe Marler, Joe Marler is going to start, and I would have him start because I know Alec Hepburn flew out there, and if, if Hepburn had been there the entire time, to be honest, I'd rather have him starting. I thought he should have been there from the get-go anyway. Um, but since he's only just got out there, I don't think it would make sense so I'd have Joe Marler starting at loose head, Hepburn on the bench. At hooker, purely because I don't think it would make a huge difference to the team if Cowan Dickey started, um, although obviously he has different strengths to Jamie George, I probably would stick with Jamie George at hooker because you, I, I say I want to make sweeping changes, but I don't want to change everyone. So i probably keep Jamie George there, hoping that he plays a little bit better. He was a little bit underwhelming, wasn't he, uh, on the weekend? Um, 
tight head, I definitely have Williams starting because he should have been starting anyway from the first test. Um, and then Sinclair has to be on the bench because who else is there? Do we even have another tight head? Am I forgetting somebody? I don't think I am. I must be. We can't have two tight heads. Who am I forgetting? It doesn't matter. Sinclair on the bench. Hopefully it'll piss him off and he'll come out and do something something aggressive that's not stupid. That's what I'm hoping for. Second row, I'd stick with Itoji and Launchbury. A lot of people are saying Itoji should be rested, but I mean, it's the end of the season now. You may as well just pump him full of painkillers, kick him up the ass and tell him to, to go crazy. Um, Joe Launchbury will play better. He will play better than he did on the, on the, uh, in the second test. So I keep that partnership there. But I would have Johnny Hill on the bench. I want Johnny Hill to get some, some game time and I want a second row on the bench. Uh, in the back row, I'd start Mark Wilson at blindside. Brad Shields. A lot of people have said that they thought he played well. I thought he was all right, but he absolutely... And again, this is not an attack on him. It's not his fault. But I didn't see anything from him. And I know it's a big ask. He's new to the squad. That's not his fault. But if Eddie Jones was going to just leapfrog him into the team, bring him into the, to the squad on this tour when he hasn't even set foot on English soil yet in terms of, you know, for, for, for a rugby team, then there's no excuses. Then he has to be that good that he's going to fit in and be incredible because there's other players like Mark Wilson, who to me are more deserving of a start. Um, again, Brad Shields is not shit. He didn't stand out as being really bad, and he may go on to become a really integral, incredible part of the England back row one day. I don't know, but it's not fair on him. He should never even been put in this position, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have him starting. I would have uh, Mark Wilson at blindside. And then I probably would have Shields on the bench only because it's such a dick thing to do to put him in the fucking team to start a match and then just drop him from the squad altogether. I'm just sick of that kind of shit. I don't think... I mean, it's. I feel like it's not fair on anyone. Everyone's being treated like... It's not fair on Chris Robshaw to not be in the squad. It's not fair on Brad Shields to be fucked around like he has been. It's not fair on Mark Wilson to be on the bench covering second row or whatever. I want Wilson at blindside. I'm sticking Shields on the bench. Thank you, Chris Robshaw. Relax. Uh, Curry has to start at seven because I feel like... I, well, to be honest, he's the best option, but also we need to stick with him because he actually looks like he is developing into a bloody good flanker, bloody good number seven. And then number eight, Jesus, we just got no good options now. Billy's left, and we don't have a... We, the only other good ball carrier we have is Nathan Hughes, who was just man-marked out of the game, I think, uh, in the second test. Every time he got the ball, they were ready. Um, And he was being... he. He's been guilty of uh, giving away stupid penalties too, but he's got to start. I mean, we've got to have... I mean, you could have Simmons there. I forgot about Simmons. But... Shit! It's not fair on him. What a horrible, horrible... This just just sums up how fucking awful this is. I'm feeling bad for everybody. Every, every single bloody player is going to go home from this tour with my sympathies. So sorry, Simmons, you're not going to even get a fucking minute of rugby. It's not fair. It's not fair. But the only way I could get him in 
is if he was on the bench, I think, at this point. And uh, that wouldn't be fair on Brad Shields. Oh, God. You know what? Fuck it. I'll put Simmons on the bench. Brad Shields is dropped. Tough shit. Hey, sometimes you've got to make hard decisions. Let me see. I gave, he's, he's, he had a rating of zero, Brad Shields did. Now everybody knows that that's just not good enough. Um, so Wilson, Curry, and Hughes with Simmons on the bench. Um, and then I'd have the new... I'd have the fucking Wasps halfbacks. I'd have Dan Robson and Danny Cipriani because Danny Cipriani was very interesting when he came on. The first thing he did... I actually don't even rem- remember what it was, but I just remember saying to myself, oh, it's another level. It's another level now. He just brought... He came on and he just looked like he was going to change the game. And then he fucked something up. And I say, I, know, I say that because there's a plus and then a negative. So I can't remember what he did. But um, bottom line is, he was on for such a short amount of time. Um, I should confess, I think I didn't watch the last... I sort of skipped through the last six or seven minutes because... I just couldn't bear it. I was kind of skipping through. So maybe I missed some important stuff. I doubt it. Not from what I've heard. I'd have Dan Robson and Danny Cipriani starting. Dan Robson is the shit. He will be incredible. I have no worries. I have no concerns over Dan Robson. He should have been at least on the bench. It's fucking ridiculous that the form English scrum half in the Premiership is being kept out of the team by... A bench warmer. Like, don't get me wrong, Ben Spencer is a good player, obviously, but he's not even starting for his team. Uh, it's ridiculous. Dan Robson's starting. Give Danny Cipriani a go. Keep Owen Farrell at, at inside centre, because who else could you have? I mean, Farrell has to be in the team one way or another anyway, but even if you, you know, even if you didn't want to have him at inside centre, what's the other options? There's no better option. Um, We don't have a big, hard, physical inside centre to put to, to put in there. So, uh, but I think it'll be it, it'll be fine. He's played well there. I, uh, it can still work. Put Lazowski outside of him, and um, you're in business. Um, on the bench, I would have Ben Youngs and, and uh, George Ford, because if things go sh- completely tits up, bring Ford and Youngs back on. Let, let, let them have a crack at it. I mean, oh God, who gives a shit? Um, yeah, Lazowski, Slade was interesting. I actually thought Slade played a lot better than the first test. He was very, very aggressive. But then I can't remember where I heard it. I heard bad things about his uh, missed tackle rate. That's weird because I just felt like his defense was glaringly poor in the first test and in the second one I felt like he was a lot better so but at any rate I've wanted Lazowski at 13 since the since the beginning because he's a similar similar player but much safer so put him there and then I'd bring the back three back to how it should be I just have Daly and May on the wings of Brown at fullback um but I would have Woodward on the bench to cover the back three because I'm not a big fan of Denny Solomona anyway and uh I just think Woodward, if, if, I mean, if we're going to be a shit team and we're going to lose three tests in a row, we may as well try and have some fun. And I think Woodward is a fun player. I'd like to see him go out there and, and see if he could do something. I don't know. I, like I said, having said all that, I have a very strong suspicion that Eddie Jones is going to make maybe 
some forced changes, bringing in Marla, and then... I don't know, there's definitely pressure on him to start Cipriani, but he doesn't care, does he? I think he might make three changes at most. Um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it next week if I haven't killed myself after England have just completely given up on rugby. Um, thanks for listening to Rugby Rant to Banter. Uh, thank you for getting naked if you did. That shows true commitment. Uh, please subscribe. Please leave a comment on uh, iTunes, or sorry, Apple Podcast or Acast or Stitcher. Um, I think those are the only three platforms I have it available on. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at um, Rantabanta and uh, at Eddie Stevens MD. Um, oh, I'm depressed. Goodbye, Sheddies. It's Rugby Rantabanta. Episode 7, I'll be lucky if I make it to episode 11 Because England are falling apart in Africa South Eddie Jones is spewing pure shit out his mouth Today we played strip podcast Or at least I tried to strip down naked inside my shed Or maybe I lied For all you know, I'm fully clothed and I was lying to you if you played a long strip to the thong, then baby, I'm scared of you. What's wrong with your brain? You're fucking insane. Maybe it's the pain of England's tore down the drain. But don't worry, Sheddies, I'm not ready to give up yet. Oh man, this cafe monster is a big fucking hit. Comes in vanilla and more. Oh, I'm a big fucking whore. I'll say whatever monster wants me to as long as they start paying in some capacity to be my official sponsor, but why would they? I don't have enough subscribers. I don't think I have any subscribers. Do I? Is anyone listening? Maybe. <laughs>